welcome to 15K Plus Random Movie Reviews, where we take random movies from Metacritic's 15K Plus Movies to randomly watch whether we like it or not. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of 15K Plus Random Movie Reviews. This is Colin. This is Niall. And this is Random Movie 252 from Metacritic's all-time movie list. It was Saving Private Ryan, which we've both seen a number of times. So it was good to dip into it again and uh, and critically analyze it a bit more in depth than we may have done so in the past. It's from 1998. It's got a meta score of 91 and a user score of 8.8. .8, so it's way up there. It had a budget of 65 million, which was... 65 to 70 million, which is quite low considering what was involved. And yeah. it had re returned a box office of 482.3 mil. Yeah. It has a runtime of 169 minutes. And obviously Mr. Spielberg is, is in charge of this one. And just, uh, in the run up to this, uh, movie, he had Jurassic Park, he had Schindler's List. Yeah, he had Jurassic Park 2, Lost World, he had Amistad, and then he had AI. So um, Saving Private Ryan was in between all of that, but that's a hell of a list of good movies he had in he's, a run. He's a bit there. of a hack, really, isn't he? He's yeah, no, he's, no idea what he's doing. No, yeah, he's a bit of an uh, amateur. Um, interesting that the writer for this was Robert Rodat, who pretty much had done Fly Away Home, that old geese adoption movie. That... <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Just, it's, it's the same type of movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And that was the one... And seriously, the producer, Mark Gordon, he actually he chased him down after watching Fly Away Home. And so he was really? like... Yes, I don't think they had, like, this war movie in mind, but he liked the, the cut of his jib, for want of a better phrase, and... Uh, he, he he said, let's let's do something. And so Robert Rodat was inspired by the D-Day book, which I used to have um, on my bookshelf when I had a bookshelf, a <laughs> massive thick book by Stephen E. Ambrose, the same guy who wrote Band of Brothers, which is another amazing TV adaption mm -hmm. of, of a good story. But D-Day is an amazing book, basically, because Stephen E. Ambrose interviews people and uh, constructs his books around first-hand accounts. And so Robert Rodat got inspired by that. And Stephen E. Ambrose actually took a part in uh, a, um, sort of consulting in this movie, which I found interesting. And uh, I heard a story, I, re I read a story that Stephen E. Ambrose got a special sneak preview of the movie and he had to tell them to stop during the D-Day part. And we'll uh, get into that later on. But anyway, Robert Rodad actually wrote two other movies that we may have known, The Patriot, which I don't I don't think it's a bad movie, actually. Mel Gibson. Don't know if you, mm, you've seen no, that I, one. I would disagree. I, I, I kind of despised it. Um, <laughs> it's just a terrible movie. Uh, well, weirdly, uh, I kind of like Mel Gibson, even though he's kind of an obnoxious character. I think he's yeah. a good actor. I just didn't like the movie very much. Mm. I need to watch it again. I, I, I think I didn't. I don't think I hated it, but it's been a while since I watched it. And then he's he hasn't really written a lot more, but he wrote Thor: Dark World, and Again, yeah, I don't like I don't like any of the Thor movies. I, anyway. I've watched that. I've watched all the bloody MCU movies, uh, mm. and that was one of the weakest by by a long way. Actually, it was shockingly bad. So there was no humor to it. It was uh, yeah. very dry. So yeah, again, it's it's not quite Saving Private Ryan. No, no, but you know when you when you delve deep into Saving Private Ryan, there's 
there, you know, there's, it's not, it's, there's not a lot of memorable. It's, I don't think the dialogue is as memorable as we thought it used to be. <laughs> For well, yeah. It's, I don't think, I don't think the dialogue is the important part of this. Though. No, no, it's not. It, and it's it, the weakest the, part. It's oh, by far the weakest part. It's the stuff that goes around, like the production, the cinematography is amazing. The, the feeling of being there, the feeling like you can feel the ground shaking as a tank comes up. Mm. That, that's just done so well. Um, like, yeah, the, yeah, the dialogue's cat. Spielberg uh, invented a certain, he put a drill, a drill wheel onto the cameras to make them shake. When things indeed. like when, when the bombs were exploding and stuff, the, the, the ca a cameraman burst his bubble. And went by the way, that that was already invented years yeah. ago. Can just bother yeah. you just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Janusz Kaminski was the cinematographer. He's a bit of a Spielberg partner, and he, mm -hmm. uh, he he said he got an Oscar for this, and he also got an Oscar for Schindler's List. The uh, the Oscars they got five Oscars for this: director, cinematography, sound editing, sound effects. And uh, it was up for best movie and Shakespeare in Love won. Yeah, I think Tom Hanks was also up for best actor in this. Yeah, didn't uh, get it. He got beaten out by I can't remember now. It was such a inconsequential movie that 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 uh, an inconsequential actor that beat him. So yeah, yeah I can't remember. I was looking up the 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 winners. It's interesting that Thin Red Line came out the same year as Saving Private Ryan and two um totally kind of different and actually uh. Tom Sizemore was offered the role a role in Thin Red Line. I think Steven mm. Soderbergh director, and Spielberg said, "Listen, you want to go to Australia with Steven Soderbergh, or do you want to go to Ireland and the UK with Steven Spielberg?" And he chose uh, the UK and Ireland. I would have said Australia, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he, he was swayed by the director. Uh, mm. What else? Uh, it's based on a real tale, kinda, sorta. Uh, the yeah. Nyland brothers. Two brothers were uh, two brothers survived. They thought two brothers had died, but uh, no, two brothers did die. Yep. They thought three brothers had died, and so they sent one of the guys home to to be with his parents. And um, one uh, brother survived and was found in a Japanese prisoner of war camp in Burma. Interesting thing was that the name of the brother that survived initially was Fritz. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're going, we're going after Fritz. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I'm on the same team, lads. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting, I thought. <laughs> anyway, let's delve into the plot here. General plot. So Captain Miller, played by Tom Hanks, lands with his team on D-Day and makes it through, luckily enough, and he, he uh, hits the ground and he's given a mission to find said Private Ryan because... They just found out that three of his brothers have died and they basically get sent on a mission to find him, retrieve him. And that's the plot, the general plot outline in a nutshell. And what happens is it's sort of a plot that is actually quite, um, quite nicely bookmarked into um, <laughs> one hour segments. If you think about the first hour as uh, it's a 20 minute D-Day uh production basically there's no credit role it goes straight into a um fluttering flag and private ryan as an ad as a granddad and great granddad uh goes and visits the cemetery and we then flash into d-day and what happens june next? 6 1944 yeah there you go yeah 20 minutes of 
pure, visceral, oh, loud, it's, violent. It's grim and energetic. It's powerful. Um, Crazy. You can see people on the beach in pieces. People who mm -hmm. aren't on in pieces are going to pieces. You know, mentally, it's just like a carnal house. It's just limbs flying everywhere. It, it's yeah. crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, and you can see the whole. You can see that where the personal anecdotes come from because these things weren't seen on, on, on a movie before. These this sort of absolute carnage, limbs flying everywhere, blood in the water. The water being blood, basically. Dead fish on the beach was one anecdote uh, that a soldier told. I think maybe Stephen e. Ambrose when he's doing D Day, or maybe they they told Spielberg. I can't remember, but it's just one of those little little things. Um. And those, uh, the spiky things, you know what they're called on the beach? They're hedgehogs, aren't they? Czech hedgehogs. Yeah. Czech hedgehogs, yeah. Yeah, they're made in Czechoslovakia first. But, like, they're just stark monsters just there. They're actually a place of solace, and they're also a place of just doom and destruction. But I don't know. Like, so I was looking at it, and, you know, I love World War II. And, like, I, I, I love the history of World War II. Mm. I don't obviously love the carnage that it, that it brought. But um, I just re I just when I was watching it, I put the um, Robert Kappa, the photographer that took eleven. Well, he didn't take eleven photographs on D Day. He took he, he basically landed with the first uh, soldiers that landed on the beach. He had a camera with him and he shot tons of photographs. Eleven survived because some idiot mishandled uh, the film that oh. went back to England. But the ones that did survive are basically inspired inspired this the, the the cinematography here and the, the 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 angles the perspectives the underwater the overwater you're mm. you're kind of head level with all these soldiers the bullets are whizzing through the air you can feel the death on each one of them the just the 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 guts that you see yeah. and the blood and the the desperation and the fear and you know as people that live in 2023 it's 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 just a slight little hint of what might have gone on in that day. I know when Saving Pride of Ryan was uh, released, a lot of more World War II uh, veterans were still obviously around and they actually released a dedicated telephone number for veterans that actually yeah. got shell-shocked yeah. or had flashbacks from watching the movie. And, and so, quite a few people called it because it was quite a reasonably accurate depiction of, of, of that moment, you know, that yeah. horrific moment. <laughs> Where they're storming the beach. Yeah, it's even uh, just that even when they're in the boats going in, oh, and they're puking get, up and they're, they're puking up. Out. Yeah, and you're in, you're introduced to Captain Miller there with Hanks and that whole theme of his hand shaking throughout the throughout the movie. His hand shaking. It's such thing. a lovely device, though. It shows mm. that he's he's already got PTSD. You know, he's already psychologically destroyed, um, but he's holding it together. And yeah, and, and that he, Tom plays it exceptionally well. You know, he's completely together, but underneath that, he's kind of falling apart, which is just so well played. Yeah, and you, you see Tom Sizemore's character, Sergeant mm. Horvath. And you basically, and you see uh, uh, Private Jackson, uh, Barry Pepper, that's his name. Yeah, the he's actor. great in this, actually. He's very yeah, he is really good. He's, he kisses his crucifix every time he's, he, he's up to, to do something. So, like, 20 minutes D-Day, it's like... When it was released in 1998, it it's it's lost a bit of its um, 
shock horror value. Yeah. Because we've seen so much since then. We've seen real war with real violence on TV, on news every night, pretty much. Back then we're, in we're 98... We're going through I, one right now in the Ukraine, so we do yeah. have these scenes. Yeah, we've got scenes from a drone, basically, and we see yeah. these things happen every day. So, but, you know, if people weren't around in 1998, this coming out was a was a totally oh, different totally different paradigm because I think a lot of war movies didn't get into the whole humanity of things, the whole sort of, I don't know, humanistic, I guess is one for a better word. They, they were very, um, they, they up big up war a bit, you know, they made it look like a romantic thing. Like, like Rambo. But, yeah. Like you, you go to war, you kill all the bad guys, you get loads of honor. You're going to be amazing. You're going to go home and you'll be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bit more. Nah, it's not. But it's 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 shocking. Yeah, you'll probably die. Nah. Yeah. So after like they get they get off that the um obviously there's there's so many things to to we could you could basically have a full podcast on that whole entire twenty yeah. minute segment. Yeah. But uh, you know they get up you know they get one the of, Bangalore. One of, oh, the Bangalore, which was invented in Bangalore. Bangalore. <laughs> yeah, by a Scottish lad. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, back another imperialistic uh, yeah, yeah. invention bombing a stick <laughs> yeah that's a, that's when they're at that shingle bay you know that whole tom hanks thing when he's grabbing the radio guy he grabs him oh, once yeah. grabs him twice grabs him the third time and his face is gone basically yeah he picks One. up the radio and his bullets holes all over the radio yeah and he yeah. just throws it away I mean, he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't pass any remark to it. he's like oh. Because no, obviously like, he'd yeah. been through a lot of crap already, so somebody missing yeah. the face is no. Oh well, you know. Yeah, that's he's that's lucky be, for him. Yeah, well, he basically is just it's 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 him or me basically at that point. Mm. They get up and they sort of they get into the to the warren of of um what do you call them the lookouts and the, the trenches the trenches and it's interesting. I was I was. I didn't have any. There's no subtitles in Saving Private Ryan, and I don't know. I'm guessing that's 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 the way it, it is, right? You didn't yeah. have subtitles in your version. I, I, just... I had a German-speaking wife beside me, oh, <laughs> translating okay. pieces for me, and she pointed that... out two two of the prisoners weren't speaking German. They were not. They're from Czech. They were from Czechoslovakia. Yeah, they were I basically had to look it up. Yeah, yeah, they were basically saying we're not. We haven't killed anybody. We're from the Czech, and they were they they were prisoners before yeah. they were prisoners of war. So they were just yeah. Very unlucky dudes because they were basically conscripted from uh, from home and sent on the front line by the uh, which is lovely. And would you would you hold it against the guys that have just seen half their friends wiped out and then they pop up and see that they're just putting their hands up and going, oh well, you know, you've battled all the way up here, so now we surrender. And so if you uh, just no. gone through that, you'd be weird if you didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think it, it, you, you couldn't. No, they did capture a lot of people as well, but this, this is just after they've got up and have just seen all their friends getting minced, effectively. Yeah. And so, yeah, I hate to sort of push on from that. I guess yeah. that's, that's probably one of the most it, historic it, scenes in movie history. But after all the, the, the craziness... Oh, there's, one, it, there's one piece we should... Sorry. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The um, last scene is it, it is pans away from the beach. That's exactly is... what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. Ryan, or not Mr. Ryan, but A, S is lying face down in the sand, the seal, washing over him, and you can just see his backpack with yeah. S written on the back. And I guess that leads into the next piece of the movie, the next chapter. 
Yeah, it's still um, it's still we're still in the first hour here. We're only like around the half an hour thing, so it goes it goes it goes back a, to America. A lot then happens. a lot happens in that first twenty minutes. Yeah, so we kind of we kind of get that whole background story of D Day has happened. We then go over to America where Brian Cranston is chilling out in his office. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, surprised me. I didn't recognize him before the last time, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a couple there's a couple of actors in this that surprised me from being there. Anyway, so that's the part where they basically go, listen, there's three brothers. We need to get this dude back, and that's kind of it's kind of boring, but it sets up the sets up the entire thing. So, um, so Captain Miller is told this. I don't know how quickly the bloody f- fax machine was back then, but they, they, <laughs> he, he got it pretty quickly. It was an email, I think. It was an email. Yeah, yeah. Pigeon, transatlantic pigeon. I, I, I got the impression though that they'd been stuck on the beach for a while um, hmm. after they managed to get. Hold on to the beachhead for you know a few minutes. Got their feet 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 in the in the door. The Germans didn't let them get anywhere uh, advanced, and they were waiting on. Oh, I can't remember. Sorry, some military history, but they were waiting on tank support. Yeah, to come yeah, and support yeah. them. But yeah, yeah D Day was a, D- yeah D Day was a bit very complex, and not a lot of things happened correctly. But hey, we're mm. here to tell but, the but tale. There was a lot of stuff that had to happen. A lot of logistics. Incredibly yeah. large operation. Yeah, one thing that we must mention is the is the uh, gathering of the translator Corporal Upham because he obviously plays a massive <laughs> they don't part. Like <laughs> they don't like him. He, ma- <laughs> yeah, he, make- he plays a part in this, so they set out because they have this mission now. Um, there's a couple of things that here just before we lead up to the first hour um, thing. There's a couple of things that I liked. Um, there was a there's sort of a segue when gunfire was hitting hitting or gunfire sounds were happening then they turned into raindrops and then they turned into mm. put, to, to boot steps and, and puddles i thought that was a very nice uh, audio trick there that that happened they make it to a town and your your mate vin diesel Patso, <laughs> private i kind of liked him on this ah uh, yeah he was he's a bit, he's, meathead, you know yeah he's gung ho guy you know he tries to save the girl a little girl and the thing and his death is quite it's grim, Quite, actually. It's, it's, it's sad. Grim. It's, sad, it's sad, but he, he hits a piano first and it makes a music, <laughs> musical note, which was interesting. <laughs> but uh, this is a, this is a the great, this is uh, Barry Pepper's great moment where he he, uh, yeah. he snipes, he goes up against the other sniper. But we see it from the sniper's perspective. And that was one thing Spielberg was, his first initial editing sort of thing was, or production decision was he was never going to show stuff from the Germans point of view, but they kind of had to. So that, it was interesting to read that in my research, but seeing yeah, it from, yeah. seeing it from his point of view and looking through the gray darkness and then just well, seeing, well, barely well, seeing Barry Pepper's outline. Yeah. Just before he gets a bullet in the right, right in the eye. Uh, but I think it was important to show it from the Germans perspective as well, because it was kind of a contest of two skilled snipers. Was oh, yeah, basically yeah. what they were trying to portray, what showing it from the German's perspective as well. Uh, yeah, he was just Jackson, too slightly too slow. Yeah, and Private Jackson said it before that. He said, "Yeah, we're dealing with a good, good sniper here." Mm. Anyway, Vin Diesel dies, and then Ted Danson comes to the rescue. <laughs> I love that. I forgot he was in it as well. So yeah, because uh, just before that happens, um, oh, yeah. what's his name? Oh, uh, yeah, Captain... I didn't. I didn't put his. I wrote I it down somewhere. I can't see it. Uh, anyway, uh, the guy from Sideways. Uh, he's yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's chatting away, and he sits down and gets take goes to take his boot off to get something out of it, like stone or something. And he bumps into a log or or, or a piece of wood, and it 
knocks into a wall. The whole wall falls down, and there's an entire troop of um, Nazi soldiers just sitting yeah. around having a cup of coffee. And everybody starts shouting at you, and everybody's just freaking out. Uh, it's going to be a bloodbath, and everybody's going to die until Ted Danson shows up and kills all the Nazis from yeah. from a weird perspective. Like he's up, he's up high. So I don't know how he got there, sneaky like, but um, yeah, he saves the day. Did. I don't know the, Yeah, how the Germans didn't see him up there. Yeah, Paul Giamatti was the Paul captain's Giamatti. name. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's another little little sort of memorable scene. You you kind of get to the end of the first hour, and you get to meet the first Ryan. And it's Nathan Fillion, your old friend from Firefly. Yeah, I was so surprised. <laughs> I was really surprised. He's like he's twelve years old by the looks of him, you know. Um, yeah, he's very young. But yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's, he's he's like yeah, but are you sure? Are you yeah. sure it's not me? Because I can go home. <laughs> yeah, I want to go home. Okay yeah. with that. Yeah, and so yeah, so they get the wrong Ryan basically. Cue comic comedic trumpet sound. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know. Ted Danson's pretty lame in this. He's he's there going, he's there going. Yeah. After after they get the wrong Ryan and they going to head off again, he's like going, yeah. You know, I've got brothers at home myself. You know what, Captain Miller, bring him home. And it's like, all right, come on, mate. That actually resurrected his career a little bit, Ted Danson, though, because uh, they could they found out that he could do drama, he not could, just he could actually cheers. Act. He can yeah. he can he can also you know save serve beer and act. Which is very impressive. <laughs> that horrible looking foamy beer and cheers. <laughs> so anyway, we get to the first sort of area. We're in the second hour here. So and the, the, this flies by. You don't even notice it going. Oh, this, sorry, I want to want to drag back for thirty seconds just to say um, there's one line uh, with the Paul Giamatti scene that I absolutely love. It was from the no. German shouting across on the Tannoy. Uh, it was uh, the Statue or of Liberty is kaput. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, that's a brilliant insult. <laughs> yeah, it's their propaganda, their attempt at propaganda. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we get into then this sort of church scene where we get a lot of character development and character mm. backstories. It's sort of we get into this personalization of the, of the soldiers that that was kind of new in in war movies back in ninety eight. So you know we get a character development of Hanks, we get a character development of of the other of, of Sizemore and. Uh, the other soldiers talking about their homes and, and Giovanni Ribisi talking about mama. Yeah. Mm. And that comes back. It's very important later on, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he tells the story of him pretending to be asleep when his mom came home yeah, from, yeah. from work. And yeah, he sometimes, uh, he doesn't know why he pretended to be asleep. Um, the weight of losing men is weighs heavy on Hanks. He says that there are 94 men. He's, he's, he's at, that uh, point. <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Um, but and his hands start shaking like crazy when he when he's recounting that number, and he then he, he tries to rationalize, you know, the point of losing those ninety four that maybe he's saving a hundred or ten men for each of those deaths. Exactly. So yeah. You, you can see that you know while he try, tries to play a hard ass in front of the the the, the, the lower ranks, he's, he's he's having issues, especially with yeah. this mission. Oh yeah, yeah. And so then they, um, the, uh, well, Corporal Upham, the, the, the translator guy asks him where he's from and he knows there's a pool going because he's never told anybody What's where he's from. to know, Upham? Yeah. So then he, he, um, he doesn't obviously give away anything. So they move out of there pretty early. There's a nice segue of silhouettes with bombs mm. dropping in the background. It's quite, quite nice. 
So the next day they find somebody else and they, uh, it's the downed, uh, the, plane. the dog, the dog tag search scene oh. where all the, the soldiers are walking past and they're going and Giovanni Rubisi is away, looking through the, uh, yeah. dog tags until, yeah. yeah the, the medicos lads, Jesus, stop. Yeah. In front of all the lads walking past, it doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. And so then they, they, they find a dude who's hard of hearing and he, like, he knows where Ryan <laughs> is. He says, yeah, the rummel. I have to speak up. My ears have gone. It was an Nazi grenade. Yeah. So he's like, get me a pencil and paper here. And so he, um, he sends him in the right direction towards rummel and mm. he has shaky hand again and you feel oh, a bit of sympathy for him. Up. The whole team's looking at him and he's got the map out and the hand's going crazy on the compass. Yeah, yeah. That's when the, the whole team actually realise, oh, Captain's having a bad time at this. Yeah. And so they they make their way and then we have this very important section of the um, mm. of the movie where they're at the radar installation. And I love that actually there's one line or one when they're, they're not, the, his team aren't up for it. They're like, oh, let's just yeah, go. I don't let's feel good go. about this story, is it? No. And so he's, he's asking them, and I just love the way Hanks asks, who's going left? And I just love the, I love his intonation for that. It's just really realistic. Yeah. And yeah. so sadly, um, our, our medic dies at this point and his and last this, this words. Is, is, this is a painful one. Like, um, yeah, his I, last I, word. I hadn't shared tears in any of the other movies we've watched him dying in this scene. And I, even though I've seen it several times before, because of what he just said in the church and because of what he says as he's bleeding out and he knows he's dying because he's the medic. He knows his liver's pierced and he knows yeah. that's it. Yeah. And he starts calling for his mother and that's just that wrenching tears. Like I was sobbing with dirty snots coming at my nose, you know? <laughs> all right. All right. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And the blood is, the blood is just coming out of all the holes and it's just, it's mm. really, it's really um, graphic as well. But yeah, Incredible, very, so, yeah. Just it has a massive connection between his story about his mom and him calling out for his mom at the end. It's, yeah, yeah. I want to go home. Very, yeah. yeah. So anyway, they they obviously they have this prisoner of war and they say dig some bloody graves. And at the end of the day, like he's got yeah. There's a couple of funny moments where he goes steamboat Willie choo choo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, so Hanks lets him go, and obviously that comes around later on. And yeah, but there's a bit of there's a bit of an argument. They all want to. Kill there's him. a big argument. But, yeah, of um, course. But then uh, that's the thing. Here's what happens that I, ah, I don't really, I didn't really dig this part of the plot. Um, obviously, yeah. So what's his name? Um, Upham. No, not Upham. Uh, the guy that's played by Adam Goldberg, who plays Private Mellish. He's heading off. He says, "I'm done. I'm out of here." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gone. And so. Hanks takes this moment, Captain Miller takes this moment to tell them their, his backstory yep. and where he's from, what his job was. And I'm like, going, listen, you just lost somebody. I don't know. Like, I don't know the stresses of war or whatever, but it was, um, I don't know. It just felt a little bit out of place. Anyway, yeah, I get together. I, I, I believe Hanks, it was apparently it was a much longer um, yes. speech, but Hanks went, nah, he, like, listen, that, that's not the character. He wouldn't speak this long about himself and it's not in that scenario. And Spielberg listened, thankfully. Well, at least he, uh, yeah, at least he, he shortened it down somewhat. He shortened it down, and even then, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Anyway, they let that guy go. So we're at the actually we're at the end of the second hour here because they head on in and they finally meet Ryan when they take out a little tank thing, 
and they meet Ryan at uh, Rommel and they, uh, this third hour basically is sort of a setup for the last 25 minutes, which is, which kind of mirrors the D-Day start because 25 minutes D-Day and then the 25 minutes battle at the yeah. end is, the, is it sort of you bookends know, the entire it's, plot. It's, it's equally as kinetic as the, um, as the D-Day storming the beach battle, because it, you know, it, there's a bit, there's a wind up to the, action uh i should probably yeah. not go into the action just yet but it is very much like the d-day landing uh, because it's yeah. just full on yeah obviously captain miller <laughs> double checks and triple checks it's, it's the right tanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah that that's your favorite actor mr mr damon well so yeah we can pick a few things here before the action starts the two things I'll mention, and you can, uh, no, three things I'll mention, and then you can mention if they're the same things. Uh, one thing would be uh, Damon's brother story. He ad-libbed it, and mm. I just think it's very out of place, and it's very overacted, and it's very, his his teeth just annoy me for some reason. He's just so smiley in it. I know he's in shock, and he's trying to tell a story of, and Spielberg actually told him to go ahead with it, and then he was like, that's sort of a weird story, but that's exactly what he would, that person would tell who's in grief. I just don't, I, I, the first time I watched Saving Private Ryan, I just thought it was a stupid, acted-out story, and I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, kind of the same. Like, it, 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 it sort of doesn't fit what's going on and uh, you know it adds little to the story yeah so that's one thing the other thing is obviously edith pf's mm. uh, record thing and obviously corporal up and the translators translating for them but um, i found a couple of things out about edith pf which i thought was quite interesting because she had the same condition that i just did this year she had keratitis of her eye she was blind for a couple of years in her childhood and obviously oh, actually, i wasn't blind when i got keratitis i just had antibiotics and they were antivirals that comes later yeah exactly <laughs> um she was questioned to being a traitor because she was in Paris when Germany uh, invaded and the people were going, mm, is she a traitor? Is she not? Uh, her last words were, every damn thing you do in this life, you have to pay for. Okay. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> so she's very, she's obviously, she's used, she's, um, she's famous for Jeanne Reguet, Reguet. Jeez, oh. my French, my, my Jean secondary school. Jeanne Reguet. Jeanne Yeah. And which obviously uh, Christopher Nolan massacred for uh, Inception. <laughs> yeah, didn't massacre. Yeah. No, he did a very nice job of it. Um, what else? Uh, that's Edith PF. I, uh, yeah, when they're listening to that, obviously they hear the tanks in the distance, and there's an actually quite a comedic needle scratch. Yeah. Well, what, what, what I kind of noticed, well, what what they were doing with the characters at this point, though, like the. The guy that they've all been ragging on, the um, corporal the translator chap, um, like they all hate him up to this point. He's, he's almost part of the team now. They're joking with him. He's translating either PF and then, you know, they're all. He's for once he's actually feeling like part of the team, which is kind of nice. Um, kind of falls apart in a few minutes, but <laughs> yeah. Um, what I liked was just before the diesel sounds of the tanks are are, are, are audible, um, Tom Hanks is standing there and his hand's shaking. And then he hears the tanks coming just about, and his hand just goes deadly still. Mm -hmm. So 
straight away the adrenaline kicks in with all his PTSD is put to the side and he's like, oh crap, here we go. Kick off. Yeah. And then there's a bit of uh, A-team setup as well that we should probably mention. So they talk about sticky bombs. Get your socks out, a bit of axle grease, slap yep. in some TNT and uh, run up to a tank. Yeah. If that was there. fun. Yeah. Yeah, they made some Molotovs. They made some sticky bombs. They, uh, yeah. yeah, it was... Yeah, it was very tense. The sound, obviously, they got oh. Oscar Oscars for the sound and the SFX. So, Deservedly so. Yeah. So, um, I just, yeah, so there's, it, a lot happens in that. It's amazing cinematography, amazing sound, sounds of the guns. They use actually, all the sounds you hear of the guns were authentic World War II weapons oh, as well. What, what I love is the sound of the, the M1 Grand. Oh, yeah. Where you empty the, um, the clip, it goes ping. ping. And, it, and it is an exact replica because you know well, as you said it was, it was yeah a they use weapon. it all yeah they use it all so again it goes all over the place and a lot of a lot of things happen in that last 25 minutes it's chaotic it's violent the guy that they let go comes back and has a very very sort of graphic and intimate death scene with personal moment yeah yeah with uh i think th that was private mellish adam goldberg's character mm. yeah it was yeah up in the up and up in the high thing and sticks a knife in his chest and then walks past Cor corporal upham because he knew he was nice to him and he, he he walks past him and at this point corporal upham goes to pieces and it's very hard not to not to hate him at this point he's a really he causes a lot of deaths basically yeah I but I, I kind of felt sorry for him because he wasn't, he's, as he, you know, he is a soldier, but he had no experience, no training, really. Uh, he's yeah. a translator. He's a nerd. Yeah. He was never going to be a good soldier. Um, and he hadn't got the experience to handle a scenario like that. And that is a grim scenario. Um, yeah. So while you kind of annoyed with him for doing it, you can understand his inability to act when True. it's just hell. True. Yeah. So. That happens, and obviously, spoiler alert for good movies, they retreat to across the bridge, and the Alamo. it's the Alamo, it's the last stand, and they're getting hammered. Captain Miller takes a hit from our old friend, Steamboat Willie, and... <laughs> toot, toot! <laughs> Hitler. And um, so... Yeah, he gets gets the end, and he's shooting the tank with his pistol. I think at the end, Ryan Ryan is a is a bit of a coward, and I don't know why it oh, happens. He's, he's, he's crying. He's just lying, he's, sitting there crying. Yeah, yeah, he's cowering in fear, but he's been on these missions blowing up tanks. So, so we're led to believe. So, I found that a little bit bitchy at the end. I well, he's out of ammo at this point. Um, yeah, so, so is Hanks. Well, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's sitting on a bridge, looking at a tank coming straight at him, shooting with a pistol. Yeah, uh, I I did like. It was the last uh, round of his clip, the tank explodes. Yeah, I remember watching the movie for the first time and wondering what the hell just happened. Did he That's get the pretty good ammunition? <laughs> yeah, the but tiger of course, tank. yeah, yeah, the cavalry has come in and the the uh, I don't know if they're Spitfires or they're, or they're American P planes. Fifty one tank busters. I oh, believe. well done, thanks. That's good. Thank you. Well done. There was a bit of uh, exposition from um, Mr. Matt Damon uh, talking to the captain. And he said, oh, it's the guy's engine log wings, the P-51s. Oh, really? Yeah. Anytime that, that exposition Matt Damon. kind of annoyed me because he wouldn't say that to the captain. The captain knows what the bloody are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, at the end, uh, obviously Captain Miller dies and says, "Earn this." Yep. Yeah. And his hand, his hand shot stops shaking. Which is dead. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but <laughs> most it, things it stop shaking when you're dead. But <laughs> yes, focus, yes, it yes. focuses on the hand. Say he's it a focuses. Okay, yeah, it focuses on his hand, and that's the end of his character arc and his shaky hand. So uh, we've 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 we're uh, like I'm guessing with better movies we're going to be a bit longer with our episodes. So apologies if people like our half hour episodes because we're going long here. So here's the deal, and you're probably going to not like me for this, for because but for plot I'm going two out of five because I think that's the 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 weakest part of this movie. Don't worry, the other areas I'll be giving nice scores to, but <laughs> I just think the plot is 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 blah, and the dialogue is kind of blah. There's a couple of okay standard dialogue moments, but nah, two out of five for me. Uh, I was a bit more generous. Though. You went for three out of five. Okay, that's fine. So obviously acting is is a pretty strong element of, of oh. this. There's a couple of things that we need to take note of here. Uh, Tom Sizemore was going through drug drug uh, issues during this, and he obviously died this year in March. I, I didn't even pick up on that when it happened. Yeah. Uh, and Spielberg was basically saying, yeah, you, you better stay clean during this or yeah, I'll just reshoot all the scenes. He into a jar uh, on every day to make sure that he was clean. Uh, yeah. And um, I think Spielberg said, if you fail one drugs test and you're off and we'll reshoot the scenes, I don't care how many reshoots I have to do. Yeah. So he stayed clean. For it. He did. Um, Harrison Ford and Mel Gibson were up for Tom Hanks's role before he got it. I am delighted that neither of them got it. I, I like, you know, I, I do respect him as actors, but I think Tom Hanks was more of a relatable character. Yeah, those guys to... would have been. It's got the likable character. I think Ford yeah. probably would have given it a bit of a gruff, a gruff exterior. <laughs> yeah. Edward Norton was offered Ryan, our friend from Birdman. Yeah, again, it was too like Ryan's part so small. It doesn't make much sense to me that he would have done it. Yeah, he's only in it for um, can't remember now, but I, I looked at a stat and. Private Ryan is not really five in it. minutes or something in total screen time or something crap. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's more than that. I think it's like is thirty nine it? or something. Yeah, I think it's it's up there past thirty minutes. I oh. but I can't I can't remember. It's it's somewhere. Anyway, um, it, it felt he went, like he was just he splashed up in the screen every now and then. Yeah, the longest piece he had was that stupid story. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Norton went on to do American History X, so he probably it was a good move from him. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Barry Pepper, obviously, we know him from the Green Mile. That's the one thing I remember him from. Not really. Same as, actually, yeah. Um, but but in this, he's quite memorable. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Jeremy Davis, who played Corporal Up and played it very well. He's he he, he hasn't really done too much. He played a, he played a recurring character in Lost. That's what I remember him from the most. Yeah. <laughs> God, I forgot that. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was part of the team in Twister as well. Oh, that's a terrible movie. Um. Oh. Edward Burns, our friend from Twenty Seven Dresses, played Private Rebin or something, Ribbon. Mm. So yeah, you remember him as the boss, of course. I do indeed. Um I hated him in Twenty Seven Dresses. Um <laughs> he's, he's he's better in this. Yeah. Substantially so, but um, he haven't really seen him in much other than those two. Nah, 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 he hasn't done much. Adam Goldberg was in Dazed and Confused, but nothing much else. He was very good in this actually, Adam Goldberg. Yeah, he's fine. Giovanni Ribisi was good. He plays. He's, yeah. He tends to play the same sort of character. He played the boyfriend in Lost in Translation. Uh, but yeah, he was like he's... friends. Oh yeah, 
as yeah, a Phoebe's partner. Same sort of vocal vocal yeah, performance. Yeah, and a bit of a, you know, Mumbly. volatile character, I suppose, or an yeah. unusual character. Quirky. Yeah. yeah. I gave the acting 3.5 out of 5. Well, it's, uh, as I'm always more generous, I'll give it 4. That's fine. So, um, Sound Brackets track. Obviously, John Williams is the dude behind the horns and the strings through the movie. But, of course, no music was played during the action scenes and it was pretty much sparsely used throughout and only during the sort of the emotional scenes. So, obviously, the sound, obviously, Brackets track obviously deals with sound as well. And I think oh, using but the, the sound. sound of the weapons and the, everything war-related war was amazing. Actually, one piece of the sound that, that, that really struck me this time, the, the, on this viewing anyway, was uh, Upham when he has has the ammo around his neck. Oh yes, it gets really loud. The, the yes. thinking of the ammunition just goes; it's turned up to eleven. Everything else is put down a little bit, and I think it's the pressure that he feels carrying mm. ammo between the lads. It just, you know, it's really pronounced. It's I, I love that piece. I absolutely love that. That's very, yeah, I, I noticed that too. And I just, you know, I, I, he said like Mr. T kind of <laughs> wandering, wandering around. You ain't getting no ammo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's sticky bombs too. It's A-team all around. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Full circle. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just, that's totally, I didn't take note of that, but I really, I, I, I felt that sound as well. It was really cool. I give the sound brackets track 3.2 out of 3.25 out of 5. I have to be more generous. It's it's the law. Uh, 3.5 is what I wrote down here. That's um, fine. You know, I, I would have given it more, but, but uh, as you said, it wasn't all that much music. Music. Uh, the sound itself, fantastic, though, and recess the scene. Yeah. Like, John Williams has obviously done a lot of good stuff, and I, I don't think this is his, his best one, but it's very mil militaristic yeah. sort of vibe to it, and that's, and that's fine. Like, obviously, production, our last topic... <laughs> You know, there's a lot, I've actually wrote more notes in this than I've written for the last 11, 10 episodes. Uh, I'll just go through. Curriculo Beach in Wexford was used for D-Day. Amputees were drafted in to obviously make use of their lack of limbs. The uh, FCA, the uh, Irish um, reserves were running around yeah. getting shot at by Nazis and being yeah. Nazis as well, apparently. True. 40,000 gallons of fake blood were used. <laughs> Ridiculous number, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 12 million of the 65 million budget was used on the D-Day uh, scenes, basically. Which I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. No. Every actor went for a six-day boot camp apart from Matt Damon. So that sort of, they were like, hated him for it. So that angered, added to their anger at him. So beautiful moment. It was a conscious decision by Mr. Spielberg to do that. So they always end him a little... Yeah. They all uh, didn't realize what boot camp was as well. Um, and I think they, the actors went to vote to, you know, we're not doing this anymore. We're kind of going strike. This is crazy. We shouldn't be doing this with actors. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks vetoed the vote and scuppered her. Well done, Tom. Tom Hanks was enjoying the uh, boot camp because he's a lunatic. <laughs> well done, Tom. Um, Spielberg turned down the saturation for the movie. Yeah. And then certain channels or, or, or broadcast companies in America turned it up again because audiences were complaining when the TV <laughs> was on. It's too dark. TV's broken. One of your channels broke the TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that was. I think I think the saturation works. It's not as dark as a, a night of knowing nothing or anything. You know. 
No, I think it was an interesting, uh, uh, you know, piece of production, and it, it works in my opinion. No, no need to turn your saturation up. No, not not at all. Um, interesting enough, it was only fifty nine days shoot, and twenty five days were taken up by the D Day scenes. Crazy. Uh, yeah. I guess some of the scenes, you know, they're working through fields. Like you know, as long as you've got the correct uh, military hardware and right clothes, off you go. Yeah. I didn't actually know, but every obviously the D-Day scene reminds me of Medal of Honor, the video game, which is one of the best scenes in any video game you've ever played. I didn't actually know the creative team from Saving Private Ryan went on to be be a part of that video game. Get away! I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can get that because I, I, I obviously am gaming nerd like yourself and played the same scene and died a thousand times trying to get to the end of the beach. Yeah. 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 Uh, to mirror our night of knowing nothing that was blocked in India when it first was released. Yeah, too gory. Uh, too gory. Some head honcho in the government watched it and went, ah, no, it's grand. It's fine, yeah. yeah. Anything else for a production from you? No, no, I think that about covers it. We could go on for a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's nearly hour of the week. It's, uh, I gave it 4.5 out of 5. What did you give? I only went with four. Oh, there you go. We've switched. I I appreciate good production. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And this is good production. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. As you can imagine, lots of good reviews. One of the top ones was from Time, Richard Schickel, a war film that entirely aware of its genre's conventions transcends them as it transcends the simplistic moralities that inform its predecessors to take the high morally haunting ground. And Fair the enough. lowest, the lowest one is Jonathan Rosenbaum from Reader. He gave fifty out of a hundred. Nothing that suggests an independent vision, unless you count seeing more limbs blown off than usual. I do see. I do count that. Jonathan. Absolutely, it's more realistic. Yeah, it's, it's D-Day. It was horrific. You just being realistic and how you shot it. I don't see how that's a bad thing. Yeah. So that's um, that's our longest episode yet, and we're, we have still have to pick our next episode's uh, randomness. So. You're good. You haven't left anything behind on the oh, notes probably. sheet. I always do. Yeah, same. We'll, we'll same. catch it on the um, on the summer review. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've set up my app here to be random, and I will go ahead and choose the random movie now. And the movie is four thousand six hundred and seventeen. So we're going up a bit, but it shouldn't be too bad, should it? That that's a good number. I like it. Let's see. 28 dresses. <laughs> okay, 4617 is a 2016 movie called A Man Co- Called Ove. O-V-E. Eh. Oh, I'm guessing it's the, the one that they did. Tom Hanks did the adaption this year of A Man Called Otto. It's a Swedish movie. I'm oh, guessing cool. this is what they adapted it from. This will be cool to see. Because I, I haven't seen A Man Called Otto. Neither have I. Uh, here's just oh, the rundown. Tom Hanks one is where he's a cranky old man. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, exactly. They so they called it a man called Otto because obviously a man called Ove wouldn't go well with international. Okay. Yeah. Um, just here's the synopsis. Uh, stepping from the pages of Frederick Backman's international best-selling novel, Ove is the quintessential angry old man next door, so we should like it. An isolated retiree <laughs> with strict principles and a short fuse who spends his days enforcing block association rules that only he cares about and visiting his wife's grave. Ove like has given guy. up. Ove has given up on life. <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah. So 
yeah, cue a boisterous young family coming in next door and mm -hmm. they and stuff will happen, I'm guessing, that will lighten our hearts. Looking forward to that actually. This is only your second um non English speaking movie. Yeah, it was really difficult to find a night of knowing nothing and we got it in oh, the end. Yep. By yeah. creating VPNs a trial. Yeah, so I hope Man Called Ove is easier to find. Uh, anyway, that's it for episode 12 of 15K Plus Random Movie Reviews. We'll see you on episode 13. Bye-bye. Cheerio.